This doesn't happen by accident. It has to be intentional. It requires planning, it requires collaboration, and most importantly, it requires commitment to the cause. The B2B Marketing Exchange was created with one goal in mind, to help B2B practitioners across marketing and sales be better at their jobs. Now we're bringing the insights from the stage to your ears. These are the tips and tools you need to succeed. This is the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. Hi, everyone. I'm Alicia Esposito, Senior Content Strategist for Demand Gen Report. And if you're in any way involved with your company's event marketing strategy, today's episode is for you. Because I don't know about you, but I've noticed that a lot of times companies' event strategy kind of exists in its own vacuum. There is a lot of great planning and content to come out of events, but those insights and takeaways aren't necessarily always used after the show. For today's episode, Dave Bruno, who's the marketing director of Aptos, digs into how he was able to address this and really get more mileage out of all of the content that came out of their annual user event and turn them into more long-term multi-touch campaigns and strategies. So needless to say, you're going to come out of the episode with a practical framework, um, some new ideas and inspiration that'll help you better communicate and collaborate with your colleagues in content and in demand gen. And most of all, you're going to come out with um, a practical framework for uh, content strategy and most of all, measuring success. So with that, let's dive in. We do two big conferences a year and a handful of smaller conferences a year. We tried our primary uh, North American conferences, our big event. I said, let's try to implement a new approach to this. And so I began by drafting a blueprint to generate better content, frankly, generate some content uh, that we could leverage out of the event and turn that into reusable content, which is really the focus of the session. Okay, so I sort of laid out our pain, saw some head nodding. I think a lot of you are feeling the same pain. So hopefully I can help you in the next 21 minutes or so. I can help you. I'll, tell, I'll share with you what the blueprint that I developed going into the event. I'll share with you some of the outcomes, a little tiny bit of show and tell. We'll move quickly, just share with you uh, quick snapshots of some of the outcomes. And then I'll wrap up with uh, uh, Baker's a dozen uh, lessons learned that hopefully will help you guys uh, as you pursue your content goals and your uh, conference and event goals uh, this year. So first and foremost on that blueprint, right, I knew I needed a new mindset. Same old thinking, same old results, right? I've got to figure out a way to stop thinking about my conference as a black hole of content and start thinking of it as a gold mine of, conf uh, of content. And in, in addition to changing my mindset, I had to bring that really good-looking team's mindset along with me because it's their program, it's their event, it's my responsibility to support them as necessary, but I was also hoping to leverage the investment as a content, uh, content creator to get more content out of it, which was uh, frankly more challenging and even uh, riskier than you might think. Uh, because now I'm asking the team, instead of doing every they can, everything they can and making every decision they make in the name of optimizing the agenda and the content and the sessions exclusively for attendees, I'm now asking them to find a, a way to balance uh, one other small little thing, which are those hungry mouths of the content uh, program managers always looking uh, for fresh content. And so finding that balance turned out to be a tougher uh, juggling act than I ever expected it to be because in our 
business and in all, on all of the client conferences I've ever done, right, the, 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 agenda, the, the agenda is designed for current customers and because they're current customers and we're a strategic partner, mission critical applications, you know, they run hundreds and thousands of registers and stores and websites on our platforms, right? They know us pretty well. It's pretty hard to keep secrets uh, from companies when you're that tightly invested as a strategic partner. And of course, our content is primarily targeted sales prospects. And uh, every year, it seems like we know less and less about them for further and further into the funnel. So they're somewhat anonymous. And therefore, we really don't know them very well at all. So it's hard to balance things that are designed, one thing designed for people who know us very well, and other things designed for people that don't know us uh, that well at all. And to be honest with you guys, at the beginning, when I first started trying to lay this out, I really did struggle to find that balance between customers and uh, somewhat anonymous prospects. And then here's the obligatory uh, cliche stock photo of a lightning bolt that it hit me one day that it hit me that this is actually the perfect opportunity to practice something that we preach. Now, as I mentioned briefly at the beginning, I'm responsible for our global brand message. And a big part of our brand is built on this notion of our culture, that we're a different kind of software company. Our tagline is engaging customers differently. And it's built on something, our culture doctrine, I put the little circle on there called the Aptos Way. There's three tenets of the Aptos Way. I won't bore you with them, but quickly it's built on in, uh, living our lives and our work lives every day by employing an, a, a pioneering spirit, by maintaining a sense of community through collaboration and philanthropy every day and every part of every project. And finally, the part that's relevant to you here today is to be authentic, to be humble, and most importantly, to be transparent. And we do try extremely hard to live our work lives and build relationships with the marketplace with vulnerable transparency. We allow our customers to see our fears. We try not to gloss over the problems and say, don't worry, it's coming in the next version. La, 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 I don't want to hear it, right? We try to open up to collaborative solutions with our customers, which makes for what? Makes for great content at a conference. That's why customers come. You want to talk about the problems. You want to have these great meaty sessions where you talk about things, not only the new stuff and the exciting things, but the day-to-day -day challenges that we're facing together in these gigantic software products. You know, these are you know, millions and millions of lines of code solutions that, that run the entire core of their business. So <clears throat> as, a, as a content guy, I spent a lot of sleepless nights, and, and Carrie and my friends know that I do worry about these things. I tend to uh, sweat the small stuff very much at figuring out how it's going to balance. And then that lightning bolt hit me, something that a, uh, a student, every student in a marketing 101 class is going to learn, right, that transparency is a good thing, that transparency typically leads to authenticity. And when you come, and when uh, uh, authenticity comes, usually greater, uh, greater engagement follows right along with it. So there was a lightning bolt. It's okay. Let's just look for good sessions, right? Let's look for things that we think are good sessions that'll be good for the audience and design a great, a great agenda designed first and foremost for the attendees of the conference. And then I'll go behind and start creating what I called my hit list of sessions that I thought would also make good content, okay? And here's what I look for. 
with identifying those target sessions, right? Obviously, customer stories is a no-brainer, thought leadership sessions, influencer sessions, and partner sessions. And we'll go into that in a minute as to why I chose those. But as I was measuring them, of course, anything that I thought had high social, social media appeal, I awarded bonus points uh, for, for those kinds of sessions. So once I had my hit list, I then assigned every one of those targeted sessions, one of our colleagues, to be a content partner. As you guys know, when you're producing content for a conference, oftentimes you're, dig you're digging into the organization to uh, attack people, to, to task people who don't necessarily talk to customers every day, who certainly don't have an eye for good content. They're about building products and product calendars and, and support and on services and all the things that come with putting a good con customer conference on. So I put people who have a good eye for content as a partner on every one of those sessions to be the content watchdog and support them and perhaps help them with research to build credibility for their sessions, which of course translate to the content, recruit participants, and perhaps as importantly, and Candice, you and I were just talking about this uh, before this session, I also asked each content partner to design a poll, live session polls for those sessions that I thought were going to make good content because we all know that good data, uh, good data makes good content. And even if there's only 40 or 50 people in the room, custom data can still be leveraged to enrich and make your uh, content more engaging. So that's step one. Step two was I assigned every target a dedicated journalist. Okay, so the journalist was in the room during the session. The journalist really played a critical role because the journalist owned bringing the content to market after the session. So they had a vested interest in paying attention. They had a vested interest in driving the best content aspects that they could. And you guys, this is the magic wand right here. If you want to take one slide home with you, take this slide home. Assign a journalist because what happened? The journalist took notes and the journalist took notes when the presenter went off script. Not when the speaker, had, we have speaker notes, we didn't have to worry about that, but when the speakers win off notes, off script, guess what happened? That's their most authentic selves. It's not scripted, it's not rehearsed, so we got authentic content. They were spotting the times when the cameras would come out or the conversation would peak, so we got the high engagement topics right out of a Petri dish, right? It's like a focus group of how to make good content on this particular subject. They recorded the commentary from attendees and the people that were particularly engaged, they were assigned to go find them throughout the rest of the conference to see if they could interview them for more at length uh, quotes and content. Absolutely uh, the magic wand to getting good content out of your conferences, putting journalists in the room with the sessions that you think might make good content. We also invested a little bit more in our AV budget because multimedia, right? <laughs> so, uh, and finally, uh, we hired a journalist to cover, uh, and this was a paid journalist to cover all of our keynote sessions so that we could get real-time content as well. So the uh, keynote journalists were assigned social media uh, posts as well as live blogging all of the keynotes, which were our best, typically, you know, our most highly produced content. Uh, so we had uh, very active blog pages around uh, the keynotes. Once the event did kick off, we met twice a day to review plans and status and uh, a little foreshadowing, look for opportunities for things perhaps we hadn't anticipated before the event started. And then as soon as it was over, we uh, got to work with the programs managers uh, to develop a content based on their needs and the content that we were expecting to come out of the event, which is an important part of the process to keep it all on track. Okay, so that's the blueprint. Okay, clear, pretty good. Okay, so the question was, we've never done this before, how did it all work out? 
So as a reminder, we went into the event having targeted primarily four kinds of sessions, thought leaders, partners, customers, and influencers. So let's break those down uh, one at a time, starting with thought leaders. And so when we went into it, right, we thought, we hoped that the sessions from the thought leaders would lead to wide and deep content opportunities that we could leverage uh, uh, after the event. And since I'm the big mouth trying to make change here and trying to make, make this happen, I said, I guess I got to be the guinea pig. So I had a session that I thought was a pretty good candidate uh, talking about conversational commerce, uh, Amazon Echo, Google Home, uh, preparing for Alexa and the arrival uh, of AI. So I, I made myself my own content partner because I damn well better know what good content needs, right? And I did hire a third party journalist to help be my scribe and be my journalist uh, in the room. And then I went about creating my content as I always would, full of case studies and research and insights uh, all around this topic of conversational commerce. And we were all said and done. We had a terrific program. We had webinars. We had slide shares. We had a corporate blog post. We had sponsored bylines. We had earned media. We created this really fun infographic. And the infographic, again, about Alexa, primarily uh, the, con the content was about Alexa. We even added this bonus content where if you were reading this infographic sitting next to an Echo, you could ask Alexa how quickly uh, to ask Aptos Retail how quickly your skills grew in the first half of 2017. According to Statista, my skill count grew from 7,000 skills in January to over 12,000 skills in May, a 42% increase in only five months. Kind of fun, kind of clever, right? Oh, it's a skill, it's an infographic about skills, but I could build a skill and embed it in the infographic. It was fun, but the interesting part was we began expanding our reach through the infographic media, right? There's a whole cottage industry about people who cover infographics. We extended our reach that way. The trade media picked up of it, and we got lots of coverage and lots of traction from the silly little infographic because we built a skill and baked some of our data into the skill. We also produced an ebook. The journalist took my presentation, took my speaker notes, took the commentary from the room, created an ebook as a typical ebook as you might expect, but this also had a twist. As you see here, I've circled uh, sort of margin notes. These margin notes were written by two analysts that are fairly well known in the retail industry, Paula Rosenblum and Jeff Roster, uh, who took pot shots basically at my point of view. I asked them to challenge me. I asked them, because this is all sort of forward-looking stuff. It was six months ago, right? Looking forward, where do we think speakers are going to be in voice and conversational commerce? Where's it going to be? I said, I got a point of view. I've done my research. You tell me if you agree or disagree and write the notes in the margins. We did that. We printed it. So recipients got a three for one. They got my point of view as well as two analyst points of view. I got to take advantage of their promotions, their reach, their social media uh, platforms. And oh, by the way, recruited them for the project during the conference. So it's sort of uh, icing on the cake that that works. So thought leaders, check. That worked out really well. Partners, you know, if nothing else, partners are paying for the opportunity typically to speak at our conference. God bless you. So it's tough to control their content specifically. But one thing we thought we could get out of this was that we just thought their sessions would make it at least easier on us to create the content. We may not like all of it, but they were going to do the heavy lifting. So let's see if we can maximize what they're doing. And we chose our Shark Tank session, just like we produced a session, just like kind of the same rules as you see on television. We had a couple of retail executives as the sharks. Then we invited 
invited four of our partners to participate with two requirements. One is it had to be a CEO that came on stage to pitch their company's wares and their technology to the judges, and they had to agree, and you'll see the CEO scrolling here behind me for a second. All four CEOs had to agree in advance to support our content program, so they had to commit to both personal and corporate before, during, and after social media support. I wanted a guest blog post for my blog penned by the CEO with the CEO's name on it for uh, each one of the participants. And then for the winner, this is Georgina for the company, from the, the CEO of True Rating, the company that won. I also asked her to agree to a video interview and uh, reciprocal event participation, which uh, worked out actually pretty well. Carrie and I weren't sure if it was gonna work out, but it actually worked out pretty well for us. So partners, with a caveat that you can't always control the content, they, uh, they actually worked out pretty well for us, uh, extending the content and the reach. Customers, kind of a no-brainer, authenticity at minimum, transparency, a little nervous going into it, but hired some journalists, assigned them to the sessions, and had some pretty interesting results. This is the CEO of Windsor Stores talking about how our solutions empowered growth. Fairly transparent session about the journey, and journey had some ups and downs. Those ups and downs led to authenticity, attracted the trade media, and resulted within three weeks of the conference, give or take. We had a, a brand new case study uh, live on the site. CIO of Paper Source talked about how their stores were adapting to the new omni-channel and digital world, delivered a great session. The journalists helped uh, document those results and convinced them to do a uh, video testimonial starring none other than the CEO. So very good win uh, for us there. Another company called Grupo Axo. They run a whole bunch of uh, very famous brands all across uh, Mexico. They didn't have a session. They participated in a roundtable. Journalists at a roundtable said, hey, these Grupo Axo guys have a really good story. This was an opportunity that we didn't have planned in advance, but we met about it. We talked about it during the session, uh, during the conference. We went back to those guys, got a uh, video case study shot on location with executives in both the stores and the headquarters in Mexico City. And then we happened to overhear a conversation. The gentleman in the middle there with his uh, University of Miami shirt is a, a VP of IT for the art, excuse me, the art of shaving, talking uh, fairly passionately about some of the success he's had with Aptos. Uh, during the conference, we heard him having these conversations, recruited him, he became a main stage speaker at our conference, our European conference in London uh, a couple of months later. So uh, perhaps no surprise there, uh, customers worked out really well. And then finally, influencers. Uh, walking into it, we expected the influencers' content would be a gold mine uh, for us uh, because that's what they do, right? They produce content for money. So we expected them to be uh, uh, pretty good for us. Uh, one of our keynote speakers that we targeted for post-event content was a gentleman named Doug Stevens, known as uh, the Retail Prophet. And as it happens, the journalist that we hired for this was none other than Alicia, none other than Alicia Esposito. She worked for Content for Demand uh, and uh, just had her baby. Congratulations, Alicia. Uh, she was our journalist um, uh, for this session. And with Alicia's help, that 45-minute uh, keynote that Doug presented at our conference has turned into uh, more than six months of content, including uh, between Alicia and I, we penned uh, four uh, blog posts for a corporate blog. We penned new 
numerous uh, bylines. We turned it into a very thoughtful and engaging listicle about new ways to think about metrics based on the recommendations that Doug presented, a checklist on how to achieve those recommendations. We turned it into an ebook, including interviews with Doug and six other uh, thought leaders on the subject of retail uh, reinvention, and it's turned into an ongoing uh, podcast series already where through uh, with Content for Demand, we've produced uh, four episodes. Two of them are live, two in the can, and four more are in production. So I really look at this as sort of the keynote session that turned into the Energizer Bunny uh, of content that's uh, still going. We'll probably go longer than this year's uh, conference coming up in a couple months. So check, 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 check. All those things worked out pretty well. I know you guys come to this conference. A lot of people like to see a lot of analytics. My company's not that hot on sharing a lot of analytics, so I just have uh, one slide to kind of give you a quick glance at by the numbers. One conference committed to, conference, uh, committed to content. Uh, yes, we made some mistakes and things we'll do better next time, but all in all, we got tens of thousands of impressions uh, on our content and our website and our brand. Thousands of website hits, hundreds of raised hands, dozens of MQLs, uh, and uh, the resulting SQLs. And as you Further down the funnel, the company likes me to be a little bit more vague about some of those things. So um, those are the numbers. Uh, finally, then, let's uh, close in the last three minutes here on the lessons that we learned from our first conference committed to that content. Okay? So first and foremost, lesson number one is this, this doesn't happen by accident. It has to be intentional. It requires planning. It requires collaboration. And most important, it requires commitment to the cause. You really got to stay focused on this because when the event comes, all hell breaks loose, right? Everybody knows what it's like and everybody thinks tunnel vision. I got to produce the event, so you got to stay committed to it, okay? Number two, it needs to become a priority on equal footing with all of the other things that you think about when you produce an event, whether it's the marketing event, the production of the event, the recruiting, the, you know, all the things that go into that, put content on equal footing with all of the things you traditionally think of when you think about event management. We didn't do this last year. This year, I hope to begin doing this soon, is put, this, put content creation on the event uh, weekly planning call, however often you have those uh, planning calls for all the people that are responsible for executing the event. Put that on the agenda so it gets top of mind with all of your stakeholders. As I mentioned before, design the agenda that puts the needs and expectations of your attendees first. Don't compromise the experience. And then go back and prioritize the list of sessions that you think will make that high-impact content. And don't be afraid of transparent content. As I said before, transparency often leads to authenticity. And follow your best practices, right? You're, you're just as if you were designing a new ebook from scratch or a new content marketing nurturing program from scratch, follow those best practices about your target audience and your themes and the formats and the participants and how you're going to distribute it. Follow all of the rules. Don't break or change any of your rules. Just use the sessions as a new source for those content, uh, for your content. And I'd say, you know, we didn't do this last year, we're gonna do this this year, is look for the journalists, particularly the journalists, less so the content partners, but partners, but specifically the journalists. Make sure they're not part of the core event team. It really stressed them. We had several journalists on the core event team and it was a lot to ask of them. So uh, not a big deal, but a lesson uh, very hard learned for me last year with some pretty damn tired people. And I did say uh, plan to spend a little more on AV and make an attempt to record everything because multimedia is multi-engaging. It's more engaging. Here's a tiny little snippet of a photo gallery from one of the parties, uh, opening night, whatever it was, uh, at our 
conference last year, and I had this idea. I was like, well, there's a whole bunch of really interesting and fun photographs in there. Why don't I just grab a bunch of them, write some clever captions, throw it up as a blog post, call it a photo album from the conference, and I'll be damned if it wasn't the number one post of the year on our blog site last year. So uh, the investment in AV is worth it. And don't panic. Yes, I'm talking about spending money, but don't panic. We accomplished everything that I showed you here by adding less than 10,000 bucks to our budget. And this year, the demand gen team is going to help pick up some of those added costs because the content was so valuable to them. So uh, don't worry about the cost. During the event, regroup with your team every day. And as I mentioned, set up a timeline and project plan as soon as you can, because everybody's tired. It's very easy for memories to fade uh, and uh, priorities to shift. And I think if you follow those 12 steps, if it's important to you, I think there's an opportunity here to take and turn your events into really good content along the way. And maybe your content library will look something like mine did after last year's event. And I'll close on this with sort of uh, one final thought, you guys. That funny thing happened. I didn't expect this to happen, but as I was preparing for this session and talking to you about the things that we learned and we did uh, with our conference last year, I realized as a content person, I couldn't wait for our next event, which uh, is coming up in uh, just a few weeks in Paris. So as they say in Paris, I'll say merci beaucoup and thank you for your time, you guys. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Marketing Exchange Podcast. To receive future episodes, be sure to subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. And if you're hungry for more B2B best practices, join us at the 2020 B2B Marketing Exchange, coming to Scottsdale, Arizona from February 24th to 26th. You'll have access to more than 100 sessions focused on content marketing, demand gen, ABM, and so much more. Save 25% on your pass by using discount code B2B pod. That's B2B P-O-D. We hope to see you there.